0: growth show my name is sammy gonzalez and i'm joined with my good buddy and co-founder greg brinkley today we've got a special episode here featuring lyndon nixon and greg is going to introduce him the best part about our show is we find fascinating individuals who we love to interview learn a little bit more about hear their origin stories and fill you in on their pursuit of growth in their life as well so with that greg Welcome to the show. Lyndon, welcome to the show. Thank you. Let's have a good one.
1: Yes. Sammy, I echo your excitement. This is going to be a fun conversation. Let me introduce Lyndon Nixon. He is a native to the DFW Metroplex and has been involved with the game of football for most of his life. His love and passion for sports started at the young age of seven when his parents signed him up for Little League football. From that point on, he excelled not only in football but also basketball and track. His work ethic and winning spirit earned him the opportunity to play college football at the University of Tulsa. You may see a helmet behind his uh, left shoulder. As a student athlete at the University of Tulsa, Lyndon learned valuable principles and life skills while competing in the football field. And I would say most importantly in the classroom, he embraced leadership, integrity, determination, which led him to be the first in his family to graduate College with a bachelor's degree. These experiences set the foundation for Lyndon as he enters his 15th season in the Big 12 Conference as a football official. Lyndon has officiated 10 bowl games, including the Hawaii Bowl, belt bowl and the 2021 college football playoffs, Sugar Bowl. When Lyndon is not on the football field, he's an active real estate agent and brings to the real estate market over 20 years of Fortune 500 experience with a specific, excuse me, focus in friendly and professional relationship management to help his clients to find and achieve their real estate goals. He is a husband, an active, loving father of four young girls, ages 16 through 23, and truly enjoys all the fun and complexities of being a girl dad. His passion for sports were naturally passed on to his daughters as they too love football and have all been student athletes as well. Lyndon, that is one heck of a bio, man. (laughs) Welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Uh, Thank you very much.
1: Well, I got to jump in with the first question. Why on earth did you want to become a football referee? Well,
2: I'll be be happy to tell you about that. And again, thanks for having me on the show. Yes, sir. Uh, Why on earth did I want to become a football official? To be honest, I had no clue that that was, that was in, in the cards, that that was going to happen for me. Uh, it's, it's more about how or, or why did I, you know, did I become a football official? And, it, and I can tell you, it is 100% because of the events that took place on September 11, 2001,
3: mm-hmm.
2: when uh, we were attacked, you know, when our country was attacked. And you're probably thinking, how in the world is this tied to football? And it just makes a great story. Right, so um, <clears throat> I'm working uh, at EDS, American Airlines. You know, you know, one of the planes was used uh, was my client at the time, and my my oldest daughter Casey, uh, who attends Texas State, uh, noticed the hat you have on there, sir. Well, was was about to be born. She was born in February 2002, so that happened in September, and I got a tap on the shoulder. Uh, manager called me in the office, and she told me, "Hey." Uh, I'm sorry, but you know, as you know, American Airlines is going through some financial problems. We're having to cut some projects, and unfortunately, we got to find you a new a new position somewhere here in the company, or we're going to have to, your job is going to be eliminated. And I'm thinking, you know, how is my job going to be eliminated? You know, I got sonograms in my queue. I got a baby coming on the way. I'm about to be a new father. Right there's there's no way I cannot have a job. Um, so you know, that left me just obliterated, and I realized right then and there that uh, I'm an individual that uh, I'm in this workplace, and I love this workplace, but just like that, uh, a chain of events can cause you to be without income, and I'm thinking, how can I have this new baby coming coming in, and I don't have any money, so it was then I decided that uh, I was not going to ever be in a position as long as I could stand it that I would have a job, or, or excuse me, have one job or one stream of income. And I had the mindset to know that, okay, I need to find another job, uh, but it needs to be something fun. I knew I could get to another corporate job and uh, it did work out that I did find a job um, and I didn't. My, my job wasn't eliminated, but I was determined to find something else to get another stream of income before this baby got, gets here, right? So um, at the time I had been working Little League football as a coach okay. and just through hanging out the Little League games, I talked to several of the, of the officials in between games. And, you know, these guys would work games, and I'd see them walk over to the concession stand, and they'd knock them down a couple of 20s. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I'm over here coaching these little guys, and, you know, I was getting a pat on the back. <laughs> so I was like, okay, well, maybe, maybe I should look into this officiating thing. So uh, I talked to one of the officials and asked him, hey, you guys actually get paid to do this with these little kids? They said, oh, absolutely, man. And we do this. So this is the best place to learn the rules and work mm-hmm. on your mechanics. And, you'd be, and then you can move up and work high school boss. I said, there's my second job. So I went to a meeting and that was 20 years ago. And uh, I started working seven-year-old kids where I first started playing and worked my way up through the ranks. So that's the long version of how I got into officiating. It was due to 9-11 and me needing additional income to support my new baby, my first baby.
1: Lyndon, when I was in high school, um, I played basketball and I was asked to referee the little kids league basketball game. And I'll never forget, I get on the court, the game starts and the first pass goes out of bounds. And I'm sitting there and it takes me about three seconds to realize, oh wait, I've got to blow my whistle and then make a call. And I have no idea what just happened. I was not paying attention. I had to turn around and luckily a a parent uh, of one of my friends was in the stands. He goes, Greg, it's white ball. So I turned around and said, white ball. And then we took (laughs) off running. So question for you. Do you remember the first game you refereed and how difficult, how challenging was it? Did you get a thrill, excitement from doing it? Uh, I don't
2: remember what game it was, but it definitely was a little league game. And mm-hmm. I had a, a, a good mentor uh, that I worked with. His name was Derek Smith. Derek is, is one of our credit who, who gave me the confidence. And they said, make the phone call. And he took me to the first meeting at the Dallas chapter. Uh, Derek, he, he set me up perfectly. He told me, he said, hey, man, don't worry about it. Just stick to what we taught you in the classroom. Stick to what we walked through it's going to be an absolute disaster. You got seven-year-old kids running around. They don't know where to line up. You got dads coaching the team that think they should be coaching junior high. Mm. Uh, and it's just, it's just going to be a mess. And it absolutely was. And I do remember I had something like that, the opening kickoff. Little guy kicks the ball and it doesn't go 10 yards. And nobody does anything. And the kids just kind of standing around and the, the kids on the receiving team knew it was supposed to go 10 yards and they would not cross the line to go get it. <laughs> and the kids who kicked off, they knew enough about the rule to know that they couldn't touch it. So we just blew the Wilson, and put the ball right there and gave the other team the ball and off we and <laughs> win. We so yeah, it's very similar to your story.
0: You know, you, you say that sports was kind of part of your, uh, you know, upbringing, right? Since what, seven years old, you said? Yep. I've got a video of myself that I, I don't even know. I was probably maybe around that same age. Right? And we're in a hotel room in Houston. And my dad was asking me on the camera, what are you going to do when you grow up? <clears throat> I said, I was going to play for the Houston Oilers. I was going to play for the Houston Astros. Nice. After I graduated from Houston college of Houston, university, of Houston. And I mean, I'm a big Astros fan and big Houston fan but I was going to be another dual sport athlete, right? That was something that I wanted to do, but growing up, I was never that, ta- that good. I mean, I just had a hard work ethic, but that's something that I wanted to ask you about was your work ethic in sports. And then how did that take you from playing sports as a little kid to moving up to the high school ranks and then going all the way up to Tulsa? And we'd love to hear kind of what you did throughout that time to, to advance. Yeah each time?
2: You know, I I have to tell you, it probably starts off in my immediate family. I had three older brothers and an older sister, right? And then mom and dad in the house. I'm the baby of my family. So I came in scratching and kicking, you know, at the (laughs) table. You know, I I tell jokes all the time that it took me several years before I finally got a big piece of chicken.
3: You know, I always (laughs) had to get
2: what was ever was left. So, you know, I've always had to scrap with my brothers and I, 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 sent a, I spent a lot of time in the stands, you know, with my parents watching my older brothers play and perform. Uh, my sister played basketball and volleyball. So I think right then and there, the burning desire to want to be next, to want to be like them and I wanted to play. And, and I think uh, when I started, you know, at seven, six or seven, you know, I think my mom told me I, I started early because they just couldn't hold me back any longer. And, and the coach promised her that we won't let him get hurt. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll keep an eye on him. And she said, the next thing you know, they handed me a football and I, I took it to the house. You know, so uh, I think it started from, you know, growing up with my brothers and, you know, and just having, you know, they made me tough. And, you know, we played basketball outside in the backyard. And, uh, that just turned into, you know, a competitive spirit. And uh, you know, my dad is—he spent time in the military. My mom grew up in, you know, and you know, the hard knocks. So they were very disciplined. So I picked up discipline and structure, a can-do attitude, and that just just morphed into, you know, a a student athlete. You know, and I and I took a lot of pride in wanting to be a student athlete. And uh, you know, you asked about high school. Uh, I'd have to fact check this, but. You know, I believe I was one of, or maybe the first freshman to play varsity at my high school, at Grand Prairie High School. Uh, we were in a situation to where uh, I had been doing well the first two or three games as a freshman, uh, running back, and uh, our varsity running back got hurt uh, the week we were supposed to play Sam Houston High School, that was ranked fifth in the in the in the state at that time, and they needed a running back, so I got moved up, wow. and. I remember feeling nervous. I remember the look in my parents' eyes. They were like, "My baby is about to get killed by these <laughs> 18 year eighteen-year-old boys. He just turned fourteen, you know." And it, and it, uh, I was nervous, and it, and it's amazing. And it, you know, we'll get into that with officiating. You know, there's there's nerves, but it's man, when that when it kicks off, I'm in the zone. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, we ended up beating Sam Houston that year, uh, and it just. You know, I just, I just enjoyed it. I love being around it, I love the the, the competition. And that went into uh, my professional career and I'm very competitive in anything I do. You know, my family would tell you, I mean, it it is a can do. We will win, we'll be successful.
1: Lyndon, what, what was it about the University of Tulsa that attracted you to want to play football there?
2: well to be completely honest uh it was one of three schools that had offered me a full scholarship that uh i thought I'd have an opportunity to play early mm-hmm. right uh kind of like you Sammy you know I, I was i was good you know i competed it I com i competed and uh i think coaches seen that you know but you know i was just i was not a blue chip, all American, anything like that. I just was a diehard competitor not mm. kicked and scratched to the end. And, uh, you know, what I learned at Tulsa, you know, my coach was Dave Raider and he always said that he wanted to have people that were going to, you know, athletes that wanted to get a degree, number one. And, uh, if we won some games along the way, he was, he was happy about that. Mm. So it was not a school that was, you know, geared all towards winning trophies. He wanted us to be you know, good citizens of society. And um, so getting to that, you know, University tough them and have an opportunity to play uh, was important to me. Um, and, you know, and, and it worked out for the, for the good.
1: Go ahead, Sammy.
0: Uh, I was just going to say, I think Greg and I are probably going to touch on the same thing, but, um, you know, that, something you mentioned there was about your coach. And what was your coach's name again? Dave Rader. Dave Rader, right. Okay. So what i i don't know something strikes me about that right he's looking at it for people of a certain caliber right he's looking for people that that are just going to be well-rounded good people that care right right so you think about the the those qualities in a person well those qualities in a person are also going to make you dedicated they're going to make you accountable they're going to make you uh, uh be a good team member And what are the foundations of a good team? It's all those things that were asked right there. So it's amazing that, like, to see it in that lens, and it's like it just a light bulb went off in my head right now when you were saying that because, yeah, I I am just an assistant to an assistant coach. My wife uh, coaches our seven year old youth basketball team, the Dribbling Unicorns. Um, Nice, yeah. And so, uh, but that's something that that I think that. I think if kids strive for that you know like if you find the kids that are well-rounded you know and start to instill those aspects into their life very young it's going to carry through no matter what they do right yeah yeah and
2: I thought uh again you know I'm I'm 17 or 18 when uh I had my first practice at the University of Tulsa and Coach Rader sits us all down and Mm. he's telling us that you know We're going to compete and we're going to win games, but every single one of you guys are going to get degrees. You know, I I brought you here because you're going to be successful in the classroom first. And I'm like, this man is nuts. (laughs) I thought we was trying to win some rings around this place, you know. (laughs) So uh, as I got older and I started progressing in the classroom, I started seeing things different that, man, I'm not going to be able to play football all my life. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm so thankful for him. Shouts out to Coach Raider. Uh, for pushing me and my teammates uh, that I keep in touch with today that, man, you look back and everybody is doing well. Whatever it is they're doing, they're doing it at at their level, you know, the best that they can be at at whatever it is they're doing, right? And uh, it's good catching up with those guys. Um, Different occupations, but they're all in, right? And that's how we were at at school. And that just has stayed with me. Uh, another quick story on this topic. Uh, defensive bash coach, his name was uh, Mac Butler. He is now the of the, the uh, coordinator of football operations or football operations at Oklahoma State University as you know you know they're in the big 12. and uh, he asked me to come speak at um, I guess you could call it um, a women's camp. They have a, a camp, an annual camp, where they bring in moms, girlfriends, daughters, whoever that wants to know about football. And they they take them through a day in the life of a football player at Oklahoma State University. And he brought me in to do a a talking session about officiating, kind of like this. And um, we had a good time, but my my wife went with, with me. And she was just smiling the entire time. And she was like, I get you now. I get it. I said, "What are you talking about?" She said, "You said that was your coach, right? That he was a defensive back coach when you were at school." I said, "Yeah." She said, "You act just like that man. <laughs>
3: <'Cause>
2: <laughs> he he was running this this camp, you know. This he was moving these ladies around from group to group. All right, we gotta go uh, mm-hmm. over to the weight room, you know. And he's just running us through. And that's kind of how I hammer at the house with the girls, right? Yeah. When I say we got to go, we gotta go. That, so, you sound like me, yeah, yeah, but- yeah. So." That's been with me forever. I mean, and I, I remember Coach Butler and Coach Raider, I mean, practice was in at 5.30 and they still expected us to shower, eat, and be at six o'clock class.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: I look back, I'm like, how could we do it? But we did it, you know? And we took pride in it and we wanted to be on time and we wanted to pass our classes. So yeah, it just it, once it's in you, it, you know, it's ingrained. And like, none of my daughters are, are, are in high school and graduating high school and starting college you know, things are getting a little bit more intense for them and they're starting to starting to click that, you know, dad might not be crazy, you know, he really has a method to his madness. So I've, I've, I've kind of lit a fire on them and, and, and they are responding well as, you know, doing well with that.
1: I, lo- well, I love those stories, Lyndon. One of the things that it made me think about um, is just like even in, in the professional careers um, mm-hmm. that our listeners and that we experience is that so often we get so focused on you know winning. Whatever that win is for our company, our organization, whatever that goal is, it's absolutely important that we achieve excellence, we pursue that, we go after it. But if we do it and forget about the anchors that really allow us to develop the skill sets, to, to be kind, to be good to each other, to have discipline, to right. work as a team, it's all those things that I think in my life, I learned from sports. And and as a man, I look back on my junior high, my high school, gosh, even going back to my little league days, and a lot of those core lessons that the coaches along the way taught me are still the fundamentals that apply in my work that I do today. And so when I was listening to you talk about those two coaches and the impact they had in your life, and just, you know, I I love the fact that, hey, we're here to win football games, but more importantly, we're here to get an education. And it's really setting the right foundation it just started making me think about even in my work today and the team that I work with, am I consistently encouraging the right things? Am I right. am I am I highlighting, hey, these are the, the skill sets that are gonna get us to that goal as opposed to just solely focusing on the goal? So I just wanted to share that I, I really appreciated you telling that story. Uh, yeah, my, my question to you is, you know, with your daughters, and again, they're now at the age where you, you've got a 16-year-old through a 23 year old. Um, Do you see sports laying kind of a similar foundation in their life where it's allowing you to teach life lessons to them through athletics?
2: Absolutely, and I'm I'm glad you gave me an opportunity to to speak to that about my daughters. Uh, My daughter, Casey, again, the one who got me in officiating, right? Right. Uh, She is starting her second year at Texas State. Casey is a good basketball player, and in her junior year, it happened. She tore her ACL, right? I mean, and that is a critical time for a high school kid that's p- participating in sports to have that type of a, an injury. And uh, she was so upset; uh, she was just starting to maybe get some looks for you know a college run herself. And I could tell that uh, she was feeling like she was letting me down. And we had a conversation, you know, one night that you know she really wanted to play college basketball. I said, "Hey, you can still try to walk on. That's not a big deal." Mm-hmm. I said, "But I want you to understand something." If basketball is over for you, right? You know, playing competitively, I am one, dad is 100% okay with that because you've been playing since a little baby and now you're 16, 17, getting ready to graduate high school. You got out of sports what I wanted you to get out of it. The foundation, mm-hmm. uh, just like you said, uh, Greg, the, uh, the humility. Is the, mm-hmm. was the biggest thing that I want all my girls to learn was the humility. You Sports will humiliate you. <laughs> you practice hard all week and you go out there and you stink it up and you just get, you can't score a basket mm-hmm. and you gotta go to class the next day and everybody that was at the game who did not play, they're the ones talking about you, right? right? You gotta deal with all those people, you know, Monday, Monday Monday morning quarterbacks. And I can't believe y'all got beat by the rival. <laughs> And it's the sense of, uh, it's, there's a lot of growth there. And there's a lot mm-hmm. of foundation in people, you know. So I was, and I told her, hey, you learn humility, you learn teamwork, uh, all these different skills that you will see as you go into college, even though you're not participating, you're going to be relying, those skills are going to carry you through the tests. You know, they're going to they're going to carry you through those exams and you're going to fly through and get that degree mm-hmm. in no time. And it will be sports, your sports background, that kind of help push you through that. And uh, she is rolling, and they all are rolling. Um, the the oldest, she played a little college basketball uh, at East, uh, East Texas State or ETBU, um, and her career ended uh, two and a half years in, and she's finishing up her degree at, at UNT. Okay. Uh, then my cases at Texas State we just talked about. Our newest graduate is uh, the dancer of the family, Sada. Uh,
3: mm.
2: She has been dancing almost—I call it—at a professional level. She is uh, was a student at Dallas Black Dance Theater, mm. and of course some drill team work. But she she does the real deal, you know, ballet and okay. uh, modern and all this kind of thing. And baby girl was accepted to the University of Texas. Uh, school of dance and she'll be there in the fall wow so you know Kai my youngest you know I got to keep my eye on her because you know I don't (laughs) want her feeling the pressure because her sisters are are out there you know kind of paving the way so uh, she's a track star so I'm hoping that she can uh, you know get some looks and maybe she'll be able to do something with track but you know I, I take a lot of pride in the girls and again not to get too far from uh, the foundation that sports uh, provides uh, kids. I encourage all parents, you know, let you, get your kids into something. And mm-hmm. I think soccer is a good sport. Uh, slight contact and, you know, kids learn good balance and fundamentals, hand-eye coordinate, coordination. Uh, but again, they're going to get beat
3: mm-hmm.
2: and they're going to have to deal with it. And someone's going to get in the game uh, before them when they think they should be. In. Mm-hmm. And you zoom fast forward 25 years, you know, me being in the workplace and I see people walking around the office back when you used to go to the office, mm-hmm. you know, pounding and being upset because they didn't get the project. Who cares you didn't get the project? Go get the next one. Right. You, you know, um, and, and instead of being so upset about why you didn't get the project. Or they didn't give the project to me. Have you done a self-assessment? You know, sports teaches you self-assessments. You know, we, you document in sports. This is how much you weigh. This is how much you, how much you, uh, can lift. This is how fast you can run. Mm-hmm. So why are you getting it mad at me when those numbers are not improving? What are you doing to improve those numbers so that you can get the project so that you can get the job? Right. So, um, that's what I got to say about that. I'm trying not to, you know, start coaching because I'm, I'm feeling myself <laughs> getting a little work.
3: No,
0: <laughs> I, I love it. I'm, I'm, a, I'm in the uh, hashtag girl dad camp as well. I've got a, oh, yeah. a seven-year-old and a five-year-old. And, uh, and, I, and I, I lay foundational elements for them all the time. And I think they're, they're tired of hearing from me already. But they, uh, the seven-year-old has picked up, her name is Ava, she's picked up basketball. I'm a, I played football, <laughs> basketball, baseball, and track all my life. Um, and mom played basketball and soccer, and I think she did a little bit of swimming at one point in time. But that's the thing; she's really taken to this basketball. And and we just built her a new hoop outside, put it together. She shot on it already. She's making ten foot baskets, and she's nice. already what? Yeah, she's right, good. She made twelve last weekend. She counted them all in a row. 12. Uh, but she didn't okay. stop. Right. She didn't stop. She kept going. Yeah, keep but going. um. But that was the thing. Like that, you know, she she did soccer one season. She was like, Well, that's fine. I, I did it, it was fun. But she's taking a yeah. basketball, so she's getting aggressive. But I love the fact, like some of the stuff that you're talking about there, about those foundational elements and the pride that you have in you the honors. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's amazing because I tell everyone I was like, man, you know, I've always I'm so appreciative that I have girls. I think I think they came into my life at the right times of my life because yeah. they, they changed me from a guy to, a, to a, you know, just a, a guy to a man, and then now a man to a dad, you know, and trying 100%. to out navigate those waters. So the foundational elements are key for myself, too, because anything I say to them, I ingest it and digest it myself. Yeah, like, okay. It's like, I, you, know, eat, you know, drink my own champagne as, a, as people like to say as well, right?
3: Yeah,
0: absolutely. You know, it's, and it's, it's just, you
2: know, I have nephews, I love them to death, and I'm telling you if, you, if you cut my arm, little footballs will probably pop out. But <laughs> it's just something about being a girl dad, man. It mm-hmm. it 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 is definitely a club, you know. It's a, it's a sense of pride, and and going through uh, girl problems, if mm-hmm. you will, mm-hmm. and and having to be a dad and have you know uncomfortable conversations that you know with with girls as as a dad and like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm still dad. This is going on, you know, but I got you, you know. So, um, uh, yeah, I'm taking a lot of pride in it and, uh you know, good luck to you, man. You know, you got, you got some more years in front of you and it's never a dull moment.
0: Right. That's for sure. I've, I've seen that. I can hear them out, outside my office window right now. <laughs> yep. Already having fun.
1: Well, Lennon, well, you know, you talk about pride and, and it's, it's just easy for us to see how pr- prideful you are of your family and you know, your daughter specifically. And obviously, we know that you're very proud of your work as an official um, mm-hmm. now with the Big 12. I would love to hear um, you elaborate a little bit more on the journey um, from when you started refereeing in that Little League and in major yeah. way up to where you're at at the Big 12, because that is a I mean, that that is not an easy accomplishment, I can imagine. And so I'm really curious to hear about that journey and, and what it yep. took to get there.
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: Um... I, I try to I'll try to make it quick, but I, I'll tell you that definitely there was a lot, there's a lot of luck involved to get where I am. Mm-hmm. And I've had an opportunity to speak at some clinics, you know, or some meetings to high school officials. And question number one, how do I get to the Big 12?
3: Mm-hmm. Right.
2: And I and I tell them first thing you do is don't compare yourself to me or anybody else in any college ranking because uh, it is a lot of luck involved you being in the right place at the right time and then sometimes uh making the right call at the right time in the right game all that's got to present itself
3: mm-hmm. and you
2: and you have no control of that um so um I definitely set a goal I'm a goal setter and mm-hmm. I, I try to set goals every single day it could be a small goal you know Uh drank eight cups of water, whatever it is. I'm setting a goal every day. So when I started officiating, as much as I love the little guys, uh, I was like, okay, I can only take so much of little Johnny's daddy telling me, Uh you you know, he's never played football. I've at least played in the collegiate level. I think I know what I'm doing out here, at least with these little guys. So I was motivated and challenged, and I was like, how do I get the seventh grade game? How do I get the eighth grade game? You know, how do I get on the crew where I can start working JV? And Mm -hmm. Friday night in Texas, I was all about it. Yeah. So you talk about, (laughs) uh, you know, games I remember. You know, I worked Todd Dodge's uh, last high school game at South Lake Curl at the old Texas Stadium. And it just turned out to be that That was my last high school game as well. And I went into college. Uh, But, you know, without getting bogged down in all the details of uh, how I moved up, I mean, I can't tell you enough. It was just being in the right place at the right time. And you don't turn down games. Like, if you get a phone call and they need a, a, an official to work a scrimmage, where is it at? What time? And you go. Um, and you build that reputation of this guy will work. You know, he doesn't care what the game fee is. He will work. He doesn't care if it's, you know, eight man or six man or it might even be two officials to show up. Mm -hmm. uh he would go and i and i I try to build that reputation for myself and i was at a meeting and you know real quick at the high school level they work a five-man crew and they have what's called a six man Mm -hmm. and the six man is the guy that will trail the crew and uh basically hold the down box Mm -hmm. and it's it's ojt for the six guy for the six man you get to see this this crew work on friday nights and uh learn from them. They're, they're like your real-time mentors and that kind of thing. And they are also, you know, typically guys that have maybe seasoned and teach our, our classes and training at the high school level. So I'm sitting in the class and there's these three or four good looking guys that, you know, work in the corporate environment and they are like one of our top crews in the, in the Dallas chapter. And they had just spoke and I was being assertive. And They had just mentioned that they're six men. They were proud that their six man just got picked up on a crew full time. Mm-hmm. And everybody was clapping and cheering. I heard vacancy. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, <laughs> That's in. what I
2: heard. I was like, okay, yeah, so it's okay. They can be six man. <laughs> right. So um uh, as soon as they we had a natural break, everybody was going out taking a break, and I went straight up to the stage and I, I shook hands of all five of them. They said, you know, you know what's going on said so, hey i'm linden nixon i just want to introduce myself i'm your new six man for next year
3: mm.
2: and they said okay anybody got a problem with that <laughs> <laughs> and uh and i became a six man wow so you know tying into how did this happen for me so i was lucky that they did not think i was cocky or arrogant and they thought it was great and they brought me on mm. well guess what that turned into, after a year or two, that turned into somebody was missing at a scrimmage at SMU. Lyndon, can you go? Sure. We got the SMU. So I'm, I'm like, oh boy, this is about to be sweet. I'm at SMU with these guys and they come over and say, hey, this is what you do. Put your flag in your pocket and put your whistle in your pocket and just work on your mechanics. Don't throw a flag. Don't blow a whistle. Just stay out of trouble. It's mm-hmm. a scrimmage. Just, just, just enjoy it. And I did. And it happened to be a supervisor there. And they asked him, hey, who's this guy? He's said, oh, he's he's a young guy that, you know, he's our sixth man and he's come helping us out and that kind of thing. Say, I think he's got some potential. Mm-hmm. so I don't think he's ready for, you know, I, I guess it might have been a, the WAC or conference USA at the time that they were in. We're not, they're not ready, he's not ready for division one. but I want him to go to a clinic in Houston. So I went down to a clinic in Houston. Can you go? Absolutely. You don't say no, you go. So I went to a clinic in Houston. And uh, Jim Harvey was a supervisor that was there for the Southland Conference. And again, guys, I'm probably year five, year six into my career, which is just nuts. This is the luck part of this. And Jim Harvey asked some guys, hey, you know, I see a lot of potential in him. Um, You guys, what do you know about? So I'm not privy to those conversations, but I'm told that he said, "Okay, I'm going to put him on your crew. You guys train him up and keep him out of trouble, and let's see see how he does. So I, I maximized that opportunity, and then that just turned into more clinics, and now I'm getting real you know college tape that other supervisors mm-hmm. can get a chance to see. And um, eventually I uh, had an opportunity to work a scrimmage in at in a Big 12 school, and I got a phone call one day to work uh, Louisiana, Louisiana Monroe at – uh, Texas A&M. This is before Texas A&M left the Big 12. Was that your school? That's my school. Yeah. So uh, that was my first opportunity. And again, I just seized the moment in that game, stayed out of trouble. And that was uh, 2006. And here I sit today.
1: Wow. Well, there's an old saying that, that um, I'm probably going to summarize it. Um, not completely accurate but it talks about luck is where preparation and work meets opportunity. Mm -hmm. And so while you're absolutely right, you had some luck along the way, but you were putting in the work and you were doing the things you were saying, yes, you were putting yourself in that position. So uh, what a great story um, of just what persistence and hard work does and how it pays off in the end. I I love every part of that story.
2: Yeah. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Um, Yeah. It's just, again, that preparation like you talked about, I would get these opportunities, but you better believe I was in my rule book. I was watching film leading up to those games, and those opportunities so that I would be prepared and uh, be able to stick around. Because, you know, you could have some people help you get in front of certain people uh, and make things happen. But once it's time to perform, it's all on you.
1: Well, that's one thing so, that I wanted to ask you about a little bit in terms of rules and preparation. So Sammy and mm-hmm. I are big sports fans we're big, big football game, Are being big mm-hmm. football fans. I imagine without realizing, Linda, we've probably seen you on TV. I don't know how oh, many sure. times and didn't even yeah. realize it. We might've actually screamed at you and and yes. potentially called you some things that maybe you would not be very happy to hear. Yeah, I mean, so, yeah I'm, sure, I'm sure you did. <laughs> which, uh, which actually, I say that tongue in cheek. I'm a pretty laid back, casual sports fan, but mm-hmm. um, what do you think the average sport fan that is watching football on TV, doesn't realize in terms of the work that you and the other officials are doing and, and having to make those calls in just real-time situations with players going 100 miles an hour in every direction, what do yep. you wish sports fans would know, that, um, you know that, that obviously we don't?
2: You know, I would like sports fans to know specifically, and I'm speaking you know, for, the, for the game of football, college football specifically, we really, really care about the the overall product of a game. Mm-hmm. You know, at our level, we consider ourselves to be professional. We are not upset about booze and screams. That's all part of the in- entertainment aspect of it. But, you know, we really think, uh, and some of us, are, most of us are former players. And uh, even the guys that are not former players, we understand right, that these kids have put a lot of work in, and some of them, they they started at seven, and now they're mm-hmm. 17. This is all they have been doing, you know, that in school, you know, school and football, school and football. So we take it to heart, you know, I like for sports fans to know that we take it to heart, and we, we do not want to make a mistake. Uh, I think sports fans might be shocked to know that, it is not just football season for us, you know. Football season, or you know, when games are played, but officiating is three sixty-five,
3: mm-hmm.
2: no doubt. I got an email today that you know we're getting ready to start rules uh, discussion starting on Monday at six. You guys are welcome to come, right? Uh, it is year-round. Um, we we take it. I have three things that I concentrate on every single day, you know. Uh rules knowledge mechanics and physical fitness mm. okay to me those are the three pillars of being a good football official and it is my commitment to players coaches and fans and universities that I do something in one of those three areas every single day my family doesn't know it you guys didn't know it the audience didn't know it fans definitely don't know it but we we think like that uh and those three things tighten up as a, as the games are coming near but if you go back to january when there is no football i'm still watching what i eat because mm-hmm. i know my fitness is going to be important to you you don't want to see a big out of shape guy on tv running around calling the a&m game right right uh, i'm i'm you know constantly as i'm as i'm getting old i'm constantly checking my eyesight you know i'm checking distance mm. and I'm, I'm looking at details and like my kids don't even realize they're walking around the house and i'm watching them walk and i'm watching which hand they pick stuff up and people will probably think i'm wow. full of it, but we do that um i think the word is eye acuity that was mm. brought to our attention uh, several years ago from a supervisor and we thought man this guy's nuts but when I actually started paying attention to uh the waiter coming to my table I'm at dinner with my wife what what hand did he put the bottle of wine down what hand did he serve with and then five minutes later I said what hand did he put the bottle down with and I think about it and you'd be surprised that that is how we slow the game down on the field you've got to practice 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 um um you know, I would like the sports, the football fans to know uh, that we are so in, so in tune with the game that when the game is over, we have an idea who won. We, we, we'll know who won if it's a blowout, obviously. If it's a, if it's a close game, we know who won. If, if the home team is, if the stands are still packed, home team won, right? Right. Uh, you you'll you have an idea you know who won the game and uh, that kind of a thing uh, but you might not you might not know the score yeah uh, we're just so we, we work 180 plus games in the big 12 we don't get breaks you know think about that the players play offense they go sit on the bench they play defense they come mm-hmm. sit on the bench yeah we work every single snap right and um, that's hard to do. And, and, and to give a hundred and fight the elements wearing black hats and black pants. Mm-hmm. And we are zeroed in on, on what it is we have to do with our responsibility. And we take it very seriously. And like I said, 185 plus games to play uh, 185 games of, of plays a game. It might be two mistakes. It might be three mistakes. And we will talk about that for six days straight until the next game. The other ones that went well, the call was right. There was no discrepancies. We're talking about the ones, the one or two plays and we are extremely hard on ourselves. (laughs) I think uh, when mistakes are made, you know, I think fans think that we don't care, it doesn't bother us. We go on to the next day, we lose sleep. Mm -hmm. It bothers you. And uh heaven forbid it'd be a game impacting you know call that was missed or uh, that kind of a thing. and um, it's just a lot that goes on man. you know the the stadium scoreboard and the lights and the, the clock and the, what down it is play clock. that is all for the fans. Everything is kept on the field by us. If there's a power failure, as long as we got lights, we could still play. Mm. I don't know fans know that you Mm. know we got some we got people on the field that are keeping the game clock as a back judge I'm responsible for play clock uh we all keep down in distance we keep up with the timeouts uh so the the show will go on if if we were to have a power failure long as we had lights Mm. I don't I don't I think I think people just think we just kind of go out there you know yeah it just see what happens
1: Lyndon, what are your thoughts when when you listen to, and well maybe I should rephrase this because you may not listen to sports radio, but whether you hear yeah. fans or you hear uh, reporters, the media talking about, well, these two teams played and the referees caused them this game, and, and you hear so much criticism on yeah. how bad the officiating is, you never yeah. hear about the game where the officials were great, but to your point, right. I would not be surprised if at 99% of all games that are played, if there may be one or two slight errors that actually happen. yet right. the, the, the fan base and the perception is, well, the referees couldn't keep things straight. You know, how does that make you feel? What, maybe what is your retort when you hear people talking about those type of things?
2: You know, I think as, as you mature at, at my level, for sure, you start to understand what is, what is media and what is football. And those things and those comments it sells tickets, you know. It sells tickets. It gets people hyped up. It gets people fired up for the next game. And uh, when you when you put on the striped shirt to go out there and officiate, you you're a part of the show, and they're they're gonna say something about you.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, and you just you kind of get used to it. You know, it's just kind of like uh, crowd noise in the stadium. I mean, I remember when I first started working Big Twelve games, I could not believe how loud it was. You know. Uh, the Big 12 conference is bigger than the conferences that I played in at Tulsa. Mm-hmm. It got loud, but, I mean, these Big 12 stadiums, man, it is nuts. Mm-hmm. And it's been, it's been awesome to, to see my own personal progression that um, now that kind of puts me in the zone. But I need that noise. It kind of It's a little, I call this like a little buzz. Mm-hmm. And I can just kind of sit in there when I, when I hear that and, and I'm ready to work. But uh, the media is going to talk about you. Uh, coaches are going to talk about you and uh the, the you know the players we don't really let them talk about us we can take care <laughs> of that pretty quick
0: <laughs> you bring up a good point because you know like in professional sports just recently I, i'm an all-around sports fan so i noticed how much chatter goes on like in the nba right with their officials yep. right yep and then uh, earlier before we started recording, there was a, was a little picture of you with the with college coach and, and he was pointing up to the, to the jumbo or jumbotron, right? Trying to get yep. you to look at it, but you were focused on what you had to do. You're at work, you know, you're right. focused.
1: Right. right.
0: What, what is that line? What, how much, you know, how, how much do you let them get away with? Like, has there ever been a time where you're like, you know, wow, that was a good point, you know, or something like that, too? Yeah. Like, how, what's that dynamic like with a coach?
2: Well, you know, I, I, I say one part of it jokingly that I'm a back judge and, uh, my, I'm positioned, uh, behind the defense in the middle of the field. Mm-hmm. So when I have a play or, you know, a coach is upset about, you know, something I, I personally did and he's trying to get my attention.
0: I, I, I can't hear you too far <laughs> away. I'm sorry. I
2: can't hear you, <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah, those, those sideline conver- conversations, uh, with the head coach, if you will, mm-hmm. and the referee in the white hat or whatever, and maybe they're calling officials over talking to them in a timeout or what have you, you know, oftentimes are not, you know, these coaches are upset, especially something's not going their way, but really they just really want to know what, how did we get to said ruling mm-hmm. or, you know, what did my player do? I mean, they can be a little animated um, depending on, that's just personality type, right. but uh they just they just really want to know. And uh, in the Big Twelve Conference, you know, I, I can say our our coaches they all do a great job. Everybody's going to get heated at some point, but for the most part, no one gets you know too far out of control. And uh, we have what's called a get back coach. It's usually the strength strength and conditioning coach or staff. Hmm. They keep everybody back. Yeah. And you know, <clears throat> pretty much in our games, you know, we we'll we'll talk to the head coach. You know, we don't we don't really like to talk to a whole lot of other people on the staff, and we will talk directly to the head coach. And just we have one line of communication with that head coach because what happened is, you know, little Johnny over here said this, and it gets confused. And nope, just talk to the head coach. We won't have a problem. Mm-hmm. And uh, if if something is questionable, or we think it, you know a coach might have a question. You know, our referees uh, that wear the white hat, they do a great job of getting to the coach immediately to kind of further elaborate to see if there's a question. That's what we call preventive officiating.
3: Mm.
2: You know, don't let him get upset. You know he's got a question. Just get over there as soon as you can and, and answer any questions.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kind of in a similar note, What's this is kind of a jokey question, but it's something that we were talking about when we were getting ready for the show. What's, what's the best put down you've ever heard from a fan? And maybe and maybe you can't say it because then you'll hear it more often but what, what's something that you that you were um, like wow that's a good that was a good one.
2: Well you know my favorite one I cannot say here on on the show <laughs>
3: uh, gotcha. I,
2: I have to, I need to think of a second good one though uh, I mean but I, I'll tell you one that it, it went back on a coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was not in the college level. It was in the high school level. We probably wouldn't do anything like this uh, at, the, at our level, more professional. But we're walking off the field at halftime, and this coach is uh, positioning himself right next to the crew, and he's going off. This is horrible. This is the worst job I've ever seen. You guys have no idea what you're doing. This is pathetic. We should be better than this. And then uh, one of our senior officials turned to the coach and said, Coach, I don't think y'all are doing that bad. Give them a break. (laughs) Nice.
3: That's awesome. Yeah.
1: You know, uh, kind of along those lines, um, in terms of the, uh, I guess, irate coaches, irate fans, do you find that a crew is influenced by their participating, let's say, at a a home game of a major school where the crowd is just going crazy versus... You know uh, the away team and you, you hear that a lot on again going back to media and sports talk that yeah well the, the home the home team had the advantage and that's because yeah. the crowd was so intense that over collectively over the span of three and a half hours they swayed the, the officiating crew to go their way is there any truth in that or, or how would you respond to that question
2: absolutely not and then especially at, at, at our level our crews are have a footprint over the United States of America. We got mm-hmm. guys in in the Dakotas, California, you know, East Coast, all over Texas. Um, so you know, I say that to say, you know, I'm trying to be careful what I say. But I've I've been in games, and uh, I've had you know someone say that I was you know just trying to take advantage of them or. A Homer call or or something like that and I'm like do you realize I'm from Grand Prairie, Texas (laughs) you know we're like in East Carolina like I don't even know where I am sir you know I I assure you this is not a Homer call (laughs) right so Um, you know and one thing you know kind of going back to uh, something you you asked about earlier um, we get into these games and man you can almost forget who is playing sometimes we, we're so locked into what we're doing when you see us in those circles talking uh football official uh, football official communication or language is team a and team B mm. uh a is offense B is defense we do not get into uh you know TCU this or West Virginia that oh. it's it's a and B and one thing that I have um really thought highly about referees, right? The referees are the guys that wear the white hats that announce to the fans in the stadium what's going on. They are good because they are able to translate for you, uh, te- Texas ball or TCU ball. When I told them T A's ball right here at the 15 so spot file. Mm. That's my communication, you know? So I may give a what we call a preliminary signal, and I'm looking at the referee, and I, I got pass interference pointing back towards me on the defense. This guy right here, number 26, right? And the referee is able to flip on the microphone and translate that to pass interference defense, number 26, or TCU, number 26, 15-yard penalty, auto first down. And they do it very smoothly. But I said nothing about a team. I just told him team A or team B, and we have, you know, situations to where we got to walk through it. So uh, t- team A was in possession of the ball. Let's say it's a punt. And so team A's kicking to team B. And B muffs it, meaning he did not catch it, mm-hmm. right? There's a difference between a catch and a muff. So if he muffs it, it's still a kick.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Right? So if it's still a kick, team A can't advance a kick. They can advance a fumble, the, the team that just kicked.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Did you catch that? So yeah. we got A kick, he punts it, B muffs it, A wants to pick it up and run, the play is dead. Mm-hmm. Crowd goes nuts. They want to know why, because it, it touched B. Yeah, it did touch B, but it's still a kick. A can't advance a kick. Now, if he catches it, B catches it, and he runs, and they knock it out, it's on the yeah. ground, now he fumbled.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, when he caught it he ended the kick so when the kick so when the kick play is over by him catching it it is now a run play uh, and if b drops it it's now a fumble
0: and a can now scoop and score so does so b, word, word. b turns into a on the run play or is b still b on the run play Yes, I mean, it, and, that's, and that's how we have to walk mm-hmm. through
2: it, that, you know, the original A mm-hmm. kicked it, right? And uh, depending on the result of the play, we, would, we, would, we try to stay with our original A and original B. Okay, that makes sense. Right. Meanwhile, the referee smoothly turns on and gives you team names, which is just amazing
1: which now every time I watch a big 12 game, I'm going to be listening to see if one of those officials makes the mistake of saying team B first down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, And that's probably, they probably lose sleep
2: hoping they don't say that. Right. You know? Well, that's,
0: yeah. that's, that's interesting. You say that because you know, there's so, so many rules, right? It's so complex. And, and going back to the story you said about like the, you know, bringing in like the wives and the girlfriends and you know, all that kind of stuff, like to understand the game. I find that's one of the things like my wife isn't a huge football fan, but, you know, she'll watch, yeah. she'll watch some of the sports and stuff. It's, but I think it's mostly because she doesn't know all the nuances of the game, which we know from playing, you know, snap right. after snap after snap. And, and, you know, right. but what's, you know, what's one of the more, you know, all the rules, obviously, but what's one of the more complex or odd rules that we might not think about or know about that you find fascinating?
2: Well, um, you know, without getting into a big confusing rule-like explanation, I'll tell you some things to look for in a football game that I think you will find interesting that you may or you may not know. Have you ever seen an official take his hat off, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: right? In the middle of a play? Do you know what that means?
0: I think a player stepped out of bounds, right? Or bingo. Okay,
2: yeah. So that's important, you know, from a rule standpoint. Based on was he pushed out, or did he go mm-hmm. out on his
0: own? Right. I mean, that's that's but, out on his own, right? Or is excuse that pushed, me. Is that out on his own, or is you, that that's out?
2: what you got to know? Uh-huh. That's going back to that that eye acuity. Mm-hmm. I need you to know that. You know, you know if you're watching your receiver or your player and he goes out of bounds, so you drop your hat off, that's great, but I need you to know how he got there and why. Right? <laughs> um, so I've always thought that, that you know, fans didn't, didn't know what that was. They thought the guy mm-hmm. was running so fast that his hat blew off. No, we, we <laughs> took it off. We took it off on purpose. Uh, another thing uh, for you to look, look for. You probably have seen these and wonder what it was. Have you ever seen this little snap looking thing? I'm this, this is on every football official's hand. Like so. This is a down indicator. Remember when I told you how we take care of everything on the field? Yes. This is first down. This is second down.
1: Wow. This
2: is third down. And this is fourth down, right? Mm-hmm. Because what happens is go back to that play where we had a punt, team B muffs it or catches it, something crazy happens. We still need to know what, what down we're in. Mm-hmm. You know, before before we move to the next down. We're still playing fourth down on this play. Or it could be a second down play and we have a fumble and the team B gets it and they're running and then, and then they fumble. We need to know what down we were. Mm. So, these and this is part of the communication that we have on the field. So, you'll see officials after each and every play, we get a tackle and we just play second down. We're going to third down and you'll see us hold up third down. We're talking to each other that I'm moving my down indicator to three. If anybody has a disagreement, we're going to shut the play down and talk. Wow. Right? And those are things that's, you know, happening behind the scenes that you guys may not know about right that's taking place uh another thing that's uh cool that you know something you can watch the next time it's kind of a trivia question for you guys how many tv timeouts per quarter commercial breaks
1: wow although i I'll throw a guess i'll say i'll say two
0: i was thinking two as well yeah typically three to four
1: okay mm-hmm.
2: And they're all going to run anywhere between 225 to to 250. Okay. And uh, the back judge that all kind of runs through the back judge, the back judge is uh, I would call the liaison to the TV production. You know, when they want to take a break, that's kind of going through the back judge that they want to take a TV break. And I'm counting those, those TV timeouts. Okay. And, uh one thing that's kind of cool to watch for is that when you when when we when they come back to the stadium from commercial we're typically thirty seconds to snap, and this is all time mm-hmm. right this is all time, so at about thirty seconds to live, if you will t v is already back in the stadium and they're giving you a recap of where we are it's third down t c u has the ball you know this is a score what have you we're down on the field getting helpments buttoned up and snapped up and you don't see that as a viewer at home so when that 30 second lead time is over and they're wrapping up the score all you see is a snap at zero
3: Mm. and
2: we're all in place or a kick or whatever it might be and that's all I I wouldn't say choreographed but that's all kind of managed Mm -hmm. through the back judge and the tv um uh, and that's and we do that because we you know we want the show to to be good for the viewers at home. You know, no no dead space. So not only are we officiating game, we're part of this TV production as well. Yeah, wow. Uh, and and it, so it's, it's a lot going on behind the scenes.
1: Lennon, talk a little bit about instant replay. Yeah. What is it like when uh, you know you make a call? It's challenged instant replay comes on and then you realize that, that, that you made you made the mistake in the call. Is that something that's kind of a hit to your ego? Or are you are you like, <laughs> you know what, I'm, I'm glad we got it right? Or, yeah. or sometimes you just kind of like, man, just let us do our job and, and just keep going. Yeah.
2: Well, I'll tell you that the replay officials are part of the crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, that was going to be one of my questions. How many officials on a college football crew?
1: Oh, gosh. Well, okay, you,
0: you said six, right? So I was going to say seven. I was going to throw an extra one in there. Well, I said
2: college. I think I
0: was I was talking high school. High
2: and school that's a different yeah. mechanic. But anyway, there is 10. Wow. 10 okay. officials.
1: Can you, can you list what all those 10 are for the viewers?
2: Yes. So on the field, and this is another uh trivia, if you will, people refer to us as the referees. Well, in football, you only have one referee referee, as denoted by the R on his back, and he wears the white hat.
1: White hat, yep.
2: That is the referee. So you have eight officials on the field and two in the booth. Replay official, and we'll get back to your question about replay. The replay official and the replay communicator is kind of his assistant. But on the field, on the offensive side, you have the referee It's kind of responsible for his quarterback. Referee is all about the quarterback. You know, hitting him low and hits on the quarterback. Then you have a center judge who's on the other side of him, and he's watching offensive linemen on his side. Okay? Uh, on the sidelines with the line of scrimmage where the ball is, you have a line judge and you have a head lines. And then moving to the defensive side, typically right behind the linebackers, the guy you see most of the time from the sideline view is the umpire.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: he's watching the guards in the center mm-hmm and you know in line play there uh behind the umpire you have three guys back deep this is this is like my own little crew within the crew and i'm the back judge so i'm in the back in the center and to my left or right we'll have what's called a line judge or a field judge okay so we have eight guys on the field that's covering 22 players hmm. um, and everybody has uh, a man or two if you will and those uh, responsibilities can, they change as the play progresses, okay? And then up in the booth, we have two officials, replay official and his communicator. The replay official, just there with a remote control, he has a computer screen and a gazillion camera angles, however many cameras out on the field. He's buddies with the TV producers. They have meetings before the games. And TV is constantly sending him shots from each each play, okay? Um, and his communicator is looking out the window and keeping his eye on on the play because if there, let's say there's a tight play at the pylon, kind of getting into your question, Sammy. Let's say it's a tight play at the pylon and we rule it the touchdown. The the TV um, production team and the stadium uh, TV team, if you will, the guys that run a jumbotron, they're sending all these these feeds into the replay official. And he's dialing up quick as he can. He's taking a good look, zooming in or whatever, you know, doing this deal. And the communicator is telling him, hey, they're, you know, getting ready to to kick the ball. They're getting, they're, they're getting over the center, letting him know. And he hasn't made his decision yet that the play was good or he was inbounds or whatever, mm-hmm. he says stop the game. And when he says stop the game, we have a on field uh, listening device that we can communicate for on the crew. It's push to talk. I can push the button, talk to anybody on the crew. But typically we do more listening than we do talking. At least that's what we try to do. Sometimes we can be chatty cat. Um, <laughs> so replay official tells the communicator stop the, stop the game. He pushes the button and then they they say from the uh, replay booth, stop the game and we stop. And you'll you'll get a stadium announcement from the referee. The previous play is under review. Mm-hmm. So at that point, the referee and the calling official will head over to the headset. And when he puts the headset on, he's talking to the replay official. And they're conversing about the play and, and just talking about rules and, you know, all the nuances that that is going on with that play and uh, a, a final decision is is made and uh, it's, it's announced. And uh, I think one thing would be cool for fans to know is that we have what's called the command center or the rock is what we refer to it as that sits in at the big 12 conference office in Las Colinas and mm-hmm. Irving. And our supervisor sits there up on the, on the big, on the big chair and he's got tvs and he can see every game live and he has a listening device and he can patch into you know any mm-hmm. game and provide assistance or rule as 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 needed uh to consult To because our whole objective is to get the play right mm-hmm. and uh we try they try very hard to let us get it right on the field unless it's unless it's egregious and you know that goes back to we just got to get it right at all costs so, and and again, all that is you know, it's it's seamless, and we try not to uh, disrupt the game. We try to be as quick as we possibly can. But you know, they have fun with it the stadium, and that's when they hit that Jeopardy music. <laughs> it's taking too long. <laughs> you know, that's that's
0: amazing because all that whole process you just talked about, all that yep. coordination, right? All satellite communication, the the on the field of communication, the hand signals, yes. the understanding, right? Here we are, this giant choreographed dance of yep. extremely smart people that understand the rules better than anyone else on the field, in the stands, wherever. And all that probably happens in under five minutes tops. And we can't give yep. you guys that five minutes to, to have yep. a slight conversation and get this thing right. If you need yep. to get it right, you know. And it, so we're so impatient because you're disrupting yep. the game. But look at all of that world of everything that just happened to get it yep. right. Because you said it comes down right to just get it right, get the play right, just and you, get care. Right. you care about the game. So yep. I think that's a great piece of little insight there yep. for for fans as we move forward too. Yeah, and it's
2: and it's and it's documented, and they they try to get better at it, mm-hmm. and they 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 know how long it's taking to get out of out of replay because that adds minutes to games right and um, so they they work on their craft as well yeah. of, of getting it right and getting it quick
1: Lennon, when you're at home watching uh a football game whether it's the nfl maybe it's a it's another another league do you find yourself being critical of the referees or i should say the officials after you've educated us in fact there's one referee but do you find yourself watching other fishing crews and being like ah oh, what are they doing or come that on guys the, you're better than this
2: that is the biggest no no ever
1: <laughs> you
2: don't ever you know have any ill will for a guy in stripes yeah because the football gods will come look you up
3: <laughs> and, I love and that. it will
2: not it will not be pretty and uh honestly there's is an issue in the game Every official that it, it, that you know that's at home watching, we got our fingers crossed that they get it right, and we're screaming yeah. at the TV. You know, uh, replay the down, replay the down, whatever <laughs> it is. We're, we're hoping they get it right. So, and, uh, and going back to uh, wanting fans to know that question of how I say it's all year long when I'm watching that game. I'm usually watching that with probably two or three other people okay. uh, on my crew. Uh, Text watching, if you will, Mm -hmm. and I'll get I'll get a text. I'm downstairs fixing the burger and I get a text and I'm like, you know, it would read, you know, good call for pass interference. Or I don't know if I like this for pass interference. I run upstairs, run it back and agree. (laughs) And and that's just how we, you know, prepare all week long. Uh, I think fans might be shocked to realize that every single play in our game is looked at by our supervisor
3: mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
2: and commented on, and that's and that's how we we learn from it. Um, and again, 185 plus games, maybe one or two didn't go quite our way, and we beat it down. Mm-hmm. And it is very um, um, fulfilling that as many things that can go on as a football in a football game, and the the contact and the different plays, that play, that type of tackle or that catch or that drop ball, it will represent itself and you will see it. You'll be like, I remember this. Mm. This one is incomplete.
3: Mm.
2: <laughs> and 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 you just, man, you gotta look at them. And I watch a lot of film. Yeah. Um I mean, we're watching film from the time we leave a locker room to the time we get to the next day. It's just all football.
1: Lyndon, what happens when you're watching a game with friends or family and you've got a friend that's on the couch next to you just going off on how bad a call is? Do you? How often do you find yourself correcting or maybe explaining what really is going on? Or even if you find yourself out like in a sports bar or a restaurant and the game is going on, do you find yourself stepping up defending the officials? Or do you just kind of keep your mouth closed and just ah. listen and observe?
2: Yeah, again, like I said, man, you're part of the game. You're part of the show. You just let them have a good time. Yeah. You know, it's it's and it's it's um it's nice that you know we we we're in a we typically try to get out of the town as quick as we can when the game is over. But sometimes you know late late game or whatever, you can't get out to the next morning. But we got to eat, right? So you know we may go to a sports bar. You know, just eight guys going to a, a sports bar or to a restaurant. You know, after the game, no one knows that we're the crew. We're just looking like eight buddies coming in there to. Get some wings like everybody else, and there's our <laughs> game on ESPN, and they were like, "Man, these guys were horrible." I'm like, "Yeah, they were." <laughs> Man. Especially that guy, that guy right, <laughs> that, that judge. <laughs> you know, so yeah, you just let you just let people have a good time, and, and and at my house, I mean, and it's so cool. My 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 girls ask a lot of questions, and they probably know a lot more about officiating than they realize. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's fun watching them grow. And and like I said, my daughter Casey who's at uh, Texas state is is studying sports journalism. And she's like, dad, I got to learn my football. So it was kind of cool. And we, I pulled up some film and she knows all 11 positions on offense and now we're working on defense. So it's, it's kind of cool.
0: Well, as a former left tackle slash uh, defensive you end. played left tackle. Wow. I played left tackle. I was a, I was a lot bigger back then. Um, but I was called the speed tackle. And I think it's just because I was the smallest of all the big guys that were that were on the yeah. field. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of, of gripes and or I had a lot of gripes and complaints with the center judge and the or the umpire, um, be it whichever side of the ball I was on, because I played both sides. But yeah, there was that was a lot of egregious holding that. He never caught but he all they always caught the little ones the ones i thought i got away with but the big right. ones yeah those are the ones right. that i was always i was always a
2: little yeah. worried
3: about yeah
0: yeah <laughs> you know i'll tell you man
2: that's a whole nother show to get into what do we look for as officials mm. um but i will you know i think you guys would enjoy knowing i don't know how we're doing on time uh just specifically passing the fair
3: yeah
2: which is something that you know, myself and the two officials back deep get involved with you know a lot, right? Because we're downfield, so that's where passes are coming down. Which field. that's
1: probably the most like in terms of the the fans. That's probably the exactly. most. Yeah. Everyone's a pass conversation. In a, pass, Everything's exactly. a passing appearance. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yep. Yeah, and because he touched him, you know. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, but there are actually categories of passing appearance that we're looking for, mm-hmm. right? We're not just we are not like personally making a decision that nah, I don't like that, so that's pass interference. That's not what we're doing. We clearly can put the action in a category, mm-hmm. right? And to give you an example of a category of pass interference would be hook and turn. And I'm just trying to think of one that would be easy to describe in this mm-hmm. on this platform. The hook and turn category is exactly what it is. When you hook a receiver, you 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 hook him and you turn it. Okay. So now you know he's about to catch the ball right here. He's facing his quarterback, and someone grabs him, and they turn him. Mm. Okay. With the ball in the air. Okay. The ball on the way. You got to have all that. That equals a pass interference. Okay. Interesting. If he. Hooks him. Here comes the ball. He's got his hands up and he gets hooked. Yeah, he's hooking him.
1: But not he turning. The ball.
2: He didn't catch it, but he didn't turn him. So we do not have a pass interference.
1: Oh, okay.
2: Okay. And we got to have a, a material effect, right? We, we got to see something happen to the receiver. Just because he hooked him doesn't mean that this receiver can't catch his football. But as soon as he gets turned, now his hands have been taken away from where he wanted them.
1: Right? Wow, what a great point because I guarantee you I've probably yelled, it's obvious he's got his hands on him. Yes. And that's yes, not he pass can have hands on It's yeah. a
2: contact sport. You get to touch it. With the exception of another category of pass interference that is called not playing the ball.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay? This is when, and, and this is what's going through my mind when I'm officiating this. We put a defender in chase mode. Okay, and chase mode just like it sounds. The receiver, boom, he's buying. Now the defender is chasing the receiver. So this ball is coming behind the defender's head because he's chasing. He's chasing, chasing, chasing. And the receiver who's out in front of him starts to slow down. Defender does not. Mm -hmm. Runs into the back of him. And he never looks back at the ball. So you can't argue that you're trying to catch it. Mm -hmm. or intercepted so that is a pass interference for making contact with the ball in the air okay um and you're not playing you're not making a play on the ball okay so going back to those conferences you know you may i may have a flag down and it may be on my uh co-official's key and he might be in a position to where he couldn't really see The contact made from the back. So he may ask me, Hey, Linda, what did you have? Hey, I got him not playing the ball. Okay, great. And then I would report that to the referee. Right. So, you know, for the fans to know that the holds, the pass interferences, there are categories that we're looking for. And if given the opportunity to, you know, talk to fans, which we, we never really would do, right, we would we, I can tell you, every pass interference that's called, there will be a category. And a hook without the turn is not a foul. Uh, the defender that is good enough or, or understands that, hey, I'm in chase mode, I'm, I'm already, I got the antennas up, they're watching me if he can get his head around and make a play on the ball and maybe there's a little contact we, we probably won't have anything but he can't just run he just can't yeah. run him over you know
0: right so that's fascinating that is i well, would love to like sit down and watch the whole game with you, you yeah, right know, like, i was thinking oh, the same it, thing yeah. yeah it is fun we can do
1: it
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah let's seriously i think it'll be a fun thing to do and we, we need to record it as well um, yep. or, and maybe actually put some pieces out as you're actually dissecting exactly what's going on with the call. Mm-hmm. Um, Lennon, another thing I, I think fans probably don't realize is that being an official is not your only job. And so share with us a little bit about what you do with the rest of your week um, <laughs> during the year. And you know when we started our conversation, and it, it's one of my big takeaways, you talked about how you realize having multiple streams of income was right. something that you wanted to develop for yourself and your family. So, talk to right. us a little bit about what you're doing in addition to officiating.
2: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, thanks for asking. I, um, uh, my wife would probably tell you I'm doing too much right now, and uh, I just, and it's not that I'm, you know, crazy for making money, or whatever. Just again, you know, going back to those goals and and, and those mm-hmm. kind of things. But uh, I've always had a had a passion for for real estate. Mm-hmm. My wife and I we own uh, two rental properties, and we're under contract right now. You know, for our third. And uh, when COVID came around, it gave me an opportunity. Uh, since there was nowhere to go, you know, after work, if you will, I would um uh, I worked to get my real estate license. So mm-hmm. I've been practicing real estate, uh, representing buyers and sellers. And as you know, this market is nuts. So I'm having some, you know, some pretty good beginner's luck, but I'm learning a lot. And, uh, you know, really, that has been very enjoyable. um, um, Getting to kind of go out there and kind of eat what you kill, you know, because I've been I've worked in corporate America for so many years and, you know, you have your salary and you get this project or that project. Oh, you did good. You get a bonus, you know, that kind of deal. And that's all great. And that has been fantastic. You know, it's provided a way for my family. But the real estate has really been this new venture that uh, is awesome. My my brokerage is 76 Realty in in Mansfield, Texas. Anybody out there needs some help? We'd love to help you. you. (laughs) Just uh, look me up. Um, but yeah, that's, what's going on there.
0: So how did it, how did you make that transition? Like, how did you find the real estate game, if you will? Yeah. You know? Well,
2: when I, uh, when I knew that I wanted to get into real estate, you know, obviously I had an agent, uh, Jessica, who was the broker of seven, realty. And she was my agent for my primary house that I'm, that I live in and both my, uh, my rental properties. And she would always tell me, whenever you get ready, this has got you written all over. You know, I think people would love you and, you know, you're good with people and you're, you're aggressive and assertive and a go-getter. You know, and she was really a big treater for me. And uh, it, it just kind of fell in my lap that I had some extra time, you know. Mm. And uh, again, going back to goals, when COVID hit and we were all stuck at the house, uh, I, I wanted to have a positive story when COVID was over. You know, that we're gonna ask a question, all right, for those 12, 13 months we're all locked up, you know, and couldn't leave the house. What did you do? I
3: love that. And Mm -hmm. I
2: went and got a real estate license and I was determined to get it and I did it in seven weeks. I went to school seven weeks straight, Monday through Thursday. Uh, took the test, got my license, and I've been working since October. Wow. And uh, and I and, and I don't know. If the, if the bigger victory was, you know, getting my first transaction or just being able to tell you or anybody else that that's what I did during COVID.
3: Yeah.
2: I went and got a license. I went and basically generated an opportunity to have another revenue stream. And I think uh, we all probably know people and there's gonna be some people out there that they just decided to just kind of sit there and do nothing, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, they gained weight or whatever they went the wrong direction um so that was the goal that I set, and I wanted to be able to 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 have some pride that when we come out of COVID I want to be able to have a positive story and and that's my I went and got a license
0: that's
1: amazing man that that fires me up and you know Lyndon Sammy and I have been talking for over a year and a half now when COVID-19 hit It was kind of like we had just prepared to launch our book. Mm -hmm. So we actually launched our book a year ago and then followed up with the pursuit of growth show. And we talked about like, it's time to practice what we preach here. We've been, we've been set forth with some major obstacles and we felt like this was just the greatest test to be able to show that despite challenges and trials, it's how you respond to them. And I had the same mentality. I remember I was talking to my parents and they were like, Hey, you know, the world's falling apart, things are turning upside down. I was like, this is our time to shine. Mm-hmm. Like, let's go Absolutely. get it. Let's, get, let's encourage people. Let's help people. And I said, all this time that is quote unquote, being taken away from us is actually being given to us to be able to do so many different things. And, and Sam and I both talked about, and, and we have podcasts that we did just him and I having conversations, just right. encouraging people Take advantage of opportunity right now to better yourself and better the lives of others. And so hearing you tell that story, like, yeah, I'm fired up. I love it.
2: Well, yeah, man. And, and I just, you know, I don't know where that came from, but it's in me, right? Uh, when those guys said that their six man moved on and was on a full-time crew, I heard vacancy. When COVID hit and we can't go anywhere, I heard opportunity to go to real estate school. I'm like what are you going to do you hear the police you know you hear it all the time when you get lemons you make lemonades. but do we really
3: mm-hmm.
2: you know i want to make some lemonade you know and i know that my daughters are watching me too you know yeah. and i and i want to uh be able to tell them well you remember when i did this and i started doing that because they're going to have their time where mm-hmm. you know they're going to be down on their luck or not sure if this is what they want or Am I gonna get this job? Well, you do something else. You know, as long as you're breathing, you can be successful. It's up to you.
1: I love it. I'm writing that down.
0: Exactly.
1: (laughs) That's a good one. You're you're gonna see you're gonna see that on a meme that I post on our social media account.
2: Yeah, yeah. As long as you're breathing,
0: (laughs) you can be successful. Yep. That is so true. That 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 victim mentality, the stress, anxiety, the the woe is me, right? It's that, so easy, right? We all, we've all been there. Every single one of us at some point in time has been there some more than others. But it's what you do when to get out of that, right? It's what you do to get past that. And I think that that's not only goes back to the foundational elements you talked about, but that also goes back to the discipline and the rigor that you have, that you've showcased, and that you're also providing for your kids and family and friends and others that are watching this audience you know everyone that you come right. in contact with. You know you're inspiring. You're you're the type of person that I th- I know Greg and I will be fired up about this. We usually text after shows anyway. I know he and I are both probably going to be on a yeah. meeting right after this too, uh, just right. talking. But I think it's true. It's like when you find yourself with those opportunity or those those instances for opportunity, you may not know how to seize them, but you know that it's there. And that kind of goes back to the book that we put together, right? An actionable mm-hmm. plan for achieving those goals. It's a it's a methodology. It's an understanding. It's repetition, right? It's certain aspects. Right. It's developing the plan and going for the plan. And I think that that's something that you know just pairs directly with what you said right there too. Because if you're breathing, you can be successful. I love that.
2: Right. And 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 don't beat yourself up on what you're
0: successful at. I don't care mm-hmm. if it's
2: cutting grass, washing cars uh, clipping nails on dogs, you know, Mm -hmm. make sure that your dogs, when you cut their nails, I mean, it's the best looking dogs on the block.
3: You
1: know, that's
2: just, and just be the best you can, and just go all in on whatever it is, whatever it is, just go all in, commit.
1: Yeah. If you look at the definition of success, um, in the dictionary, it says the accomplishment of an aim or a purpose. And I think if you were just to ask this everyday person, Hey, what is success to you? You're going to get different answers from different people. So my thing, people will ask me, they'll say, hey, are you successful? I say, absolutely, I'm successful. Mm
3: -hmm. And
1: I'm successful because I make intentional plans to go after the things that are important to my life, the things that I feel passionate about, and the things that I believe are my purpose, where I use my strengths to be able to excel at. And that doesn't mean that my success is done. That doesn't mean that um, I'm just going to sit back now and just put my feet up because in my definition of success, that's not what that means. There's always growth. There's always active progress. And, and I'm just so excited, you know, to see where my life's going to go, God willing. And with that mindset and that attitude, the same thing that you mentioned is huge. And, you know, I say all that because it kind of leads us into, as we start kind of wrapping up the show, um, we ask questions to our guests um, that kind of have to do with growth and mindset and just, actionable tips and some of the things that Sammy was talking about. And so a question we wanted to ask you, and it's subjective. There's no right or wrong answer. And typically I'll preface this by saying, you know, what's one of the first things that comes to your mind when we say, can you think of, of, of some actionable tips, a method, a routine, or maybe just a lesson learned that has helped you on your path of personal growth and development?
2: First thing that comes to my mind, is coachable you have to be coachable and um take feedback look for feedback and and you know and feedback especially in the workplace right is an attractive buzzword you know but do you really want feedback? You know, because I, I think we pick and choose who we want feedback from, if you know what I mean.
1: Right.
2: We get feedback from the people that are going to tell us how great we are. But you got to find some people that's going to give you some honest feedback to tell you, you know, you sucked on that play. Or, yeah. you know, you need to drop a few pounds. You're looking a little heavy in your uniform. <laughs> you know, you got to get some real feedback on whatever it is that it is you want to do you got to get some feedback, you know, and you got to be, and you got to be coachable. And um, sometimes, you know, you know, going back to coach Rader, like, man, are you kidding me? You, you know, you sweating us to go to class, like, you know, let's play some ball. But I mean, it's, it's bigger than that, you know, and you got to see the bigger picture and, and and buy into uh, a process and a routine, but, you know, before I ramble too far, definitely my two biggest things is that, you know, I try to make myself, make sure I'm checking myself that I'm coachable and that I'm getting the feedback that I need. Uh, to be successful and, and just keep fine tuning my game, uh, insert or interchange game with whatever it is you've got going on in your life. You got to have somebody, you cannot do it by yourself. And you know, then you got to and be smart enough to know that okay, that was not good coaching or good feedback, and that's going to be destructive. And 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 put that out,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and and make sure you hold on to uh, the good coaching and feedback. So, I love it. Those, that's what I would say to that.
0: That's amazing. That's amazing feedback. I, I couldn't write my notes fast enough on that one. <laughs> so, uh, next question is a little bit more of a hypothetical philosophical question. Our show, we're putting together a time capsule. So we're going to, we're going to put some advice in it right now. We're going to capsule that up. We're going to bury it. And in 10 years, we're going to go unbury it. We're going to open it up and -hmm. all of our guests are going to leave notes to themselves. So what are you writing on your slip of paper right now that in 10 Mm -hmm. years, when you open up, you wish that it says. Wow. That's, that's deep. (laughs) Um,
2: uh, You know, honestly, in 10 years, I hope that I am working for or consulting uh, one of or all four of my daughters in whatever it is they are basically running. Mm. Uh, You know, Sada will probably have a dance school. You know, Casey will be working for a major sports network and they'll be asking me questions as a consultant. You know, that that's what I would love in 10 years from now uh, that I would be working for these girls or I would be a consultant.
1: That's fantastic. Well, Lyndon, this no. is one of my, or go ahead.
2: No, go ahead. One
1: of my favorite parts of, of this show happens now. And that's also probably one of the most difficult parts of the show because I'm sure Sammy has the same problem. I've got a legal pad in front of me right now with a ton of notes from things that you've said that have inspired me, things that Mm. you've talked about that I'm like, you know what? That's something that I need to um, incorporate as a habit into my life. This is an area that I need to grow. Um, But Sammy and I are gonna come up with three things each that are Mm. our takeaways from this conversation. Um, Sammy, you or me first?
0: You go first and we can ping pong.
1: Okay, we'll ping pong back and forth. Um, I love when you say, don't say no, you go. Mm -hmm. And I think that goes back to just so many examples that you've shared of where you've taken initiative, you've been aggressive, and you've seized opportunity. But it's like I talked about before, luck is where preparation and opportunity meet. And it motivates me and it inspires me and encourages me to hear you talk about um, all these different things that you've excelled at because you just took advantage of saying, you know what, I'm going to go for it. And I think it's so beneficial for people to hear that story because we all have those opportunities in our lives every single day. And more often than not, we come up with an excuse of why not to do it. And so love what you said about that.
0: Right, so, so thank, thank you. you. I, I have two stars next to that phrase right there because that's mm-hmm. exactly, I, I want to put that in a,
1: like,
0: like a meme. We're going we're gonna to put that one on, on yeah. online as well. <laughs> I think it goes back to, my first one is where it goes back to the very first story that you told. And it's about those foundational elements. It's about that it's not just about the ultimate goal. It's about those little things that you have to do that set the tone for you to achieve that ultimate goal. So what focus on the foundational elements, break down those goals into those smaller chunks, if you will. That's right. what I took out of that because it was, it, again, it was like enlightening to me to just hear that that's what your coach was looking for, right? The right types of people, the the people I right. cared about are the people, the people that wanted to get a degree. They wanted to focus on all the right things. And so that was a big takeaway for me is, no matter what, focus on the foundational elements, even if they don't exactly equate, they will equate. That's right.
1: I was just thrilled and really fascinated to hear you talk about just officiating. Mm -hmm. I learned so much in just that that window of time that we spoke and and there's actually, um, I'm gonna say A and B um, to go along with our conversation uh, of two things with that officiating that I really liked was one, just how much you care how important Mm -hmm. it is that the crew gets it done right. And I think that's something that a lot of sports fans um, aren't thinking about when they're watching a game. So that was really, really insightful. And then the other thing that you talked about, there were several questions that I asked you that um, were along the lines of how does it make you feel when the fans are mad at you? How does it make you feel when you get a call wrong? How does it make you feel when um, the media is talking about this or this or that? And I loved your answer was we understand that we're part of the entertainment. And it was almost like we have a role to play. And in some aspects, we're the quote unquote bad guys. Mm -hmm. And and, and we're the outlet for the fans to yell at. And that doesn't even bug us because we're already understanding that's our role. Primarily our role is to make sure we get the game right and the thing's fair and it's done great. But I just love how you just had that attitude of like, that's part of what we do. And so it's not a hindrance. It's not a hardship, part of the game. That was really cool to hear
3: that. Yeah, thanks.
0: One of the other things that I, that really stood out to me was that you talked about something that we talk a lot about. It's about not comparing yourself to others. It, it's the, and Greg will say this more eloquent, eloquently than me. It's, it's the, the thief of, thief joy. of joy. Yep, yeah. it's the thief of joy. And so for, for you to say that too, it, it comes down to, a, a, a line or like a common thread that you're always improving that you're always studying film right that you're thinking about those the the, the wrong plays all week until the next play you know so mm-hmm. again don't compare yourself to others think about your job think about your duties think about those things that you need to do and get better at those I think that's mm-hmm. it's something that's great because it's too easy to compare yourself and why didn't I get that next project Why didn't I get that next? (laughs) Right. 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 Go get the next one. Go get the the next one. Go get the next one. But you can't if you dwell on those other things. So keep working at it. I I thought that was a great, great statement.
1: On our uh, on our social media, Lyndon, on Tuesdays, we post a quote unquote tip Tuesday. And Mm -hmm. it's typically, you know, centered around just a, a short phrase that is just meant to make people think. Um, and, and maybe take action upon something that, that we put out there And this past Tuesday, um, the tip Tuesday was, are you the type of person that successful people want to be around? And in this conversation and listening to you, listening to your mindset, your drive, your love of family, your pursuit of, of excellence in the work that you do. And again, we all can define success differently, but like I just listened to this conversation and I'm inspired by just the multitude of successes that you've had. And you're the kind of person that I'm like, man, I wanna be good enough to where when I'm around someone like you, you feel like, hey, you know, we belong together. Like we're, we're like-minded souls. And I'm right. going with that is, and you hit on this several times during our, our interview today and our conversation is you talked about goals. You get goals mm-hmm. every day, whether it's drinking a certain amount of water, whether it's going after a certain project, whether COVID-19 hits and shuts our country down for a year and a half, goals, 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 goals. And that goes back to something that Sammy and I are passionate about. And it's the primary focus of our book is coming up with goals in the right areas of life to be pursuing constantly. And when you accomplish those goals, big, small, or medium, start setting new ones. And so that's my third takeaway was just your goals and how I think that's, when I look at you as this amazing, successful individual, I just see goals as one of those anchors. And uh, yeah. man, it really, really encourages me.
2: Yeah, I appreciate that, man. You know, I, I really do. And I I, I, I got to say this, that, you know, uh, in officiating too, you know, we try, we, we harp, we you got to give yourself a break it's really Mm -hmm. I want to get that out there too is make sure that you set these goals and you and you drive hard and you got to be your own worst critic you know Mm -hmm. and we say in officiating if I got to tell you that you didn't do good on a call or you didn't do well on a play or you in the wrong position then you're probably not really being critical enough of yourself Mm -hmm. and then on the other hand of that when you do good you know you got to you know going back to sammy yeah when when they take when they confirm your call that it, he was in bounce that's a touchdown yes okay mm-hmm. that's gone now mm-hmm. we got another play to work and set a
0: new goal and and keep moving yes my my i love that that's it's something we talk it's celebrate small successes i mean that's yeah. that's what we talk about too it's that's one of the fundamental elements of, yeah. of the pursuit of growth is make sure you take time to celebrate but don't dwell in that celebration because yeah. you, you got more work I, I, to do.
2: I'll tell you a funny thing where is also as a, as a, as a, an official, you get a flag out and everybody in the stadium knows this is a good call. The home team and the visiting team. I mean, it's just like, Oh wow. That's yeah. We, we messed up <laughs> on that. know, the, 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 the defending team, they know it is a good call. And, uh, and and we have this kind of a little saying, you know, where you know, don't admire, don't admire your, your flag too long, sir. Pick it up and go. We got 78 more plays to work. So
3: God, that's yeah, so true. the guy
2: grabbed him by the face mag and pulled his helmet off. Yes. That's a Stevie wonder. That's the correct call. Move on. Right. Stevie wonder could have got that's that Stevie right. Wonder, I love it. Yeah. So move on.
3: I
0: love that. We got to, we got to make more Stevie wonder calls. That's what we need. Yeah. Yep. Uh, the the last one that I have for you, and, we'll, and then we'll get to wrapping this up, is that it's it's just so important. <clears throat> you said keep fine tuning my, I mean, my game, and keep fine tuning my game, and but mm-hmm. it wasn't like any keep like working on my game. It wasn't I'm going to keep like adjusting my game. It's I'm going to keep fine tuning. You think about that like from a mechanic mm-hmm. standpoint, right? Fine tuning, finding the little things. What's going to make you just that much better, you know? Right. And and I think a lot of people think about that in the terms of goals, right? They're like, I want to lose 20 pounds. I need to lose 20 pounds. No, you don't. You need to lose one. Yes, you you lose one pound. You can't lose 20 until you lose one. Exactly. Exactly. And so, and that's, I think that was such an important key phrase because even me, I talked to Greg about this too. My goals are aspirational. You know, the old saying about how do you eat an elephant? one bite at a time, right? Right. But One sometimes, bite at a time. <laughs> exactly, right? <laughs> okay. I'm thinking. Right.
3: <laughs>
0: but even me, right? I want to eat two elephants at the exact same time sometimes. And I have to remind myself, let break it down, break down the goals. So I just think it was sure. key for, for someone like you that's, that's analytical, someone that has as much going on as you do. Because we didn't even touch on your other job we barely even scraped the surface on real estate and then don't get me started about being a a girl dad because i mean you know just as well as i do about the road i'm about to go on as well but there's so much more depth to what you're doing so coming from you keep fine-tuning my game i think it's just an important aspect that people should should continue to put in their mind as well yeah thank you man awesome
1: Awesome. well uh let, let, this is the part of the show where, man, we're gonna let you promote and just share how people can find you, how they can get a hold of you. I mean, I, I guess of course we can watch you on TV come the fall, um, so everyone, of course, be looking out for for Linden. But but tell us where we can find you and uh, and and your real estate operation.
2: Hey, I'm on uh, you know, I'm on Facebook. You know, you just look me up, Lyndon Nixon on Facebook. I'm there. Uh, I got Instagram. I'm um, uh, nixon underscore dfw realtor and I'm at 76realty.com yeah that's the the website to the brokerage go to 76realty.com and there's a link meet the team and you can see me there um, I'm all over dfw would be happy to to work with you two or anybody else out there um, and it could be real estate or it could just it could be anything that I might be able to to be a benefit of uh, I've had some speaking engagements where, you know, I've, I enjoy talking to, to to small kids, to youth. Uh, I used to be a little bashful and shy because I didn't want to, you know, think I was being braggadocious, uh, that, you know, this football player, not as official, blah, blah, blah. But as I've gotten older and I'm mature, I've realized that, you know, this is my platform.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I mean, this this is what I do. This is my space. This is where I'm comfortable. So... If just me being in a room with a with a group of fourth graders uh, can make one of them straighten up and act right because I look like them or whatever, I'm all about it. I'm there. Just give me a call. Um, but yeah, uh, Facebook, Instagram. Um, and, you know, but don't, don't ask me for a football schedule because I won't tell you where I am. You just have to just see if you see me. You know, yeah. and I and I hope that you don't see me because if you see me, that means I'm in a circle talking about something that mm. you know mm. could potentially be wrong, right?
0: <laughs> well, I can <laughs> so. tell you this much: we're going we're definitely gonna be rooting for you. You know, if Thank you, man. If, if we do it. see you, we're gonna we're just gonna be rooting that you that everything went well, and just like you said, for other referees, right, or uh, officials, that you want to make sure that they got it right, right? So we're doing this for you too. But okay. I, I do have two things for you. Number one, I'm very interested in the rental game. So I will be connecting with you because I've got, that's one of my COVID things that we talked, that you talked about was to learn a lot more about rental properties and all that. So Mm -hmm. I'm about nose deep into that research. So
2: real quick on that. I know you got two things, but on that, I'll tell you just like anything else, it's hard to get the first one. The Mm -hmm. first one is the hardest one. Mm -hmm. You overthink it. You, 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 you know, you, the research, you study too much, you research too much, the opportunity pass you by, you know, just know, you know, your price point, know what you want, know where you want it to be and, and go for it. My wife and I, we said that we would not buy a home uh, or a property that we are going to rent that our daughters could not sleep in. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's our rule. So it's gotta be something that our daughters could sleep
0: in And if it's in our price point, we're pulling the trigger
3: Hmm. like
0: that. I love that. And then number two, will, will you come back on this show so we can explore some of those other opportunities that you're in after the season and just get Mm -hmm. a check in with you about how things are going?
2: Absolutely, man. I would love to stay in contact. Uh, I told Greg I'm, I'm, I want to come up and see the Vogel alcove and mm-hmm. see see his place of business and bring the girls in. Just Absolutely. I want to get more. It's time for me to get more active in in my community. So I saw see you guys as an opportunity for me to get that done and let me start writing that next chapter.
0: And can you show us the ring? I, I noticed you had the ring on. Can we see that ring? Steve? That's it, man. That's can the you... sugar Bowl ring. Wow! Let's
2: see. Look at
3: that.
0: That was the New Orleans
2: uh, Superdome. One, one, two, one. Yes, wow. sir. In Ohio State, Clemson.
1: Oh, that's wow. beautiful.
0: That's amazing.
2: Yep. So cool.
1: that's,
2: a, that's the first Two Years Day Bowl ring, so I'm excited about it. That's awesome.
1: Well, well Lyndon, this was a blast. This was a joy. Um, like I told Sammy, I said, man, I met this really fascinating man, and I can't wait to get him on the show. And this yeah. surpassed my expectations of, yep. uh, of what I thought this conversation was gonna be. So once again, thank you so much for being our guest on the Pursuit of Growth Show. And you know, for people watching that wanna learn more about um, what Sammy and I and now Lyndon are a part of, uh, go to www.livetpg.com. You can check out um, other shows that we've done. In addition to this show, you can check out our blog and of course, you can purchase our book, The Pursuit of Growth, A Lifestyle yeah. to Flourish um, in Today's World. But with that, guys, this has been a blast and looking forward to uh, Lennon getting yeah. you down to Vogel Alco. We'll set up a tour here shortly. And man, with that, let's keep jamming, keep rocking and living the thanks. pursuit of growth.
2: I'd just like to say thanks. And you guys did a great job and I'm glad I had to pull out the flag. So, <laughs> good job. Awesome, have guys. a good night. Go have, a yeah, have a good night. Thank you so much. Oh, <laughs>